is the right address. Yeah, I I think it's this one up here on the left. Uh, let me see. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> it's a it's actually it's a wedding house. Oh, that's nice. Bale. Yeah, I'm doing hair and makeup for the bride. They actually they flew me here from Vancouver. But that's an Indian home. Yeah, I know. This family is paying you to do their hair and makeup. Yep. <laughs> but you are gory. <laughs> You're right. I'm very white. <laughs> you must be very very special at what you do because we don't trust white people, especially not with our weddings. <laughs> that's fair, but thankfully some of them trust me. <laughs> Have a beautiful day. Thanks for the ride. Hello and welcome to an exciting and action-packed episode of Big Lash Energy. I am your host, Jaina Marie. It's wedding season and if you're a BLE bestie, you already know that I've been working as a bridal makeup artist for the past 18 years. Now if you were curious and went to check out my work on Instagram, you might have been surprised to see that pretty much none of my clients look like me. That's because probably 90% of my brides are South Asian, or if they're not, then they're women from other cultures having Indian weddings. Where I live in the Vancouver area, there's a very large population of families that have moved here from India and Pakistan. I love that here they can maintain their cultural traditions, especially when it comes to weddings. Indian weddings are typically huge, elaborate, and colorful with multiple events throughout the week. And there's enough of an industry that they have all kinds of options when it comes to hiring other South Asian wedding vendors. So as a white makeup artist, first starting out, I never ever imagined that I would be welcomed into their community. One thing lots of people don't know about me is that even though I grew up in a very predominantly white city called Kelowna, I actually was a server in the only Indian restaurant that we had there. And so I fell in love with the music, the culture, the food, and the people. But one thing that kind of cracked me up was that once in a while, a family would come in and they would see that I was white and ask, is there anybody else that could serve us? And that's when I kind of learned that sometimes South Asian families feel more comfortable with people who are from their own country. And while I may not have fully understood it at the time, I definitely respected it. So now you probably get why I'm just as surprised as everyone else that I work in Indian weddings each weekend. Actually, I think a taxi driver explained it best. A few years ago, a bride flew me to do her wedding in Edmonton. I was making conversation with my Indian taxi driver on the way to the booking, telling him that I was going to be doing hair and makeup for a bride. As we pulled up to the wedding house, he saw all the people and could very clearly tell that it was an Indian wedding. And he said, wait, these people flew you to do makeup and hair for the bride? I said, yeah. And he said, but they're an Indian family. I said, uh-huh. He goes, well, then you must be very, very, very amazing at what you do because we don't trust white people, especially not with our weddings. <laughs> Those were his words, not mine. I remember one time I knocked on the door to a bride's house in the morning and when the mother opened it, she saw my face and probably assumed I was going to try and sell her something. But when I said, hi, I'm here to do hair and makeup for the bride. She said, uh, but you're white. I've also been in the middle of doing hair and makeup numerous times when grandmas or aunties have walked in and asked my client, are you sure she knows what she's doing? 
I don't take it personal at all. I've come to learn that for many, the culture is so deeply rooted and near to their hearts that they can't possibly fathom that an outsider would understand it. And let's be completely honest, there's no way I ever will fully understand it. I was raised eating macaroni and cheese, not dal and roti, but I'm certainly doing my best. With that being said, I'm sure you can imagine that at least once a week, somebody asks me, how did you end up doing Indian weddings? Well, today I'm going to answer that question. And of course, in true Jaina Marie fashion, it involves action, adventure, international travel, a very special bride, and even a moment where I thought I was going to die. I can't wait to tell you this one. Let's go. Welcome to Big Lush Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. Let me start out by saying that the real star of this episode is a woman named Faiza. Most of the time, I change people's names when I talk about them on Big Lash Energy, but not today. She deserves all the credit for what she's done for me. Faiza heard about my services through my ex-husband and booked me to do her hair and makeup for her engagement party back in 2013. She's smart and cheeky, so we hit it off right away. During that glam session, she told me all about how she met her boyfriend and that the two of them were planning a destination wedding. They wanted an intimate celebration, but their family was so big that they knew that even if they got married in Mexico, there was a possibility that like 400 people might show up. So they decided to take their wedding even farther away and made plans to tie the knot in Thailand. I had been to Thailand before and loved the food and the culture, so I threw it out there, kind of half joking. Hey, uh, if you need a makeup artist, let me know. I'll clear my calendar. <laughs> she said, oh my God, I wish I knew about you sooner. I actually already booked a local makeup artist there. We got to know each other more as I finished the look, and she said she loved it when I was done and went off to her party. Now that I think of it, since that day, I've probably done her hair and makeup like... I don't know, 10 to 15 times. And that's still my favorite look that we've done together. Something about it just really suited her so perfectly. Apparently, everyone else loved it too, because I got a call from Faiza a few weeks later saying, Jaina, you know what? Fuck it. I need to have you with me in Thailand. Let me know what you'd charge and I'll run it past Jason. After a little back and forth, guess what? It happened. I was booked to do Faiza's wedding in Thailand. I was so excited that right away I told all my friends and family this was easily going to be the biggest and farthest destination wedding I'd ever done. At this point, I'd done a few in Mexico, but this felt extra awesome. I'd also never really done a full Indian wedding before. A few weeks later, while I was deep into the planning and researching, I got an unexpected phone call from the bride-to-be. She sounded upset. I had no idea what could be wrong. She said, Jaina, we need to talk. I said, okay, what's going on? She goes, I hope you don't get offended when I say this, but over the past few weeks, I've been going to meet all kinds of wedding vendors and everyone's been asking who I hired to do my hair and makeup. And whenever I say your name, they tell me they don't know who you are. And as soon as they find out that you're white, they tell me there's no way you're going to know how to do my looks right. I love your hair and makeup. I'm just worried. At the time, 
I was crushed, absolutely heartbroken, actually. I hated thinking that Faiza had any reason to doubt me, but now that I know all that I know about the Indian wedding industry, I I get it. it. There's a lot you need to know about the looks, the jewelry placement, the aesthetic. There's also this long scarf called the chinni or the dupatta that's often heavily embroidered with lots of rhinestone details, which can be quite heavy, and it needs to be pinned to the bride's head in a way that it won't fall off when she bows down during the ceremony. Also at this time, lots of brides were wearing saris, and basically a sari is a very long rectangular piece of silky fabric that's wrapped and pleated in a very specific way over a blouse and a petticoat in order to make a dress. I had very little experience with either of them. She said, I don't know what I should do. My heart felt heavy. I held my breath while she thought about it for a bit. Am I about to delete Thailand off my calendar? (sighs) Finally, Faiza sighed and said, Okay, you know what? Forget it. I believe in you. If you can learn how to tie a sari and pin a chuni, then I'll bring you to Thailand. (sighs) I was so relieved. I didn't want her to ever regret her decision. So I said, Faiza, I'm not just going to learn how to pin a chuni. For trusting me, I'm going to give you award-winning makeup and hair. She said, I believe you. Cue the Rocky soundtrack. I don't know what the makeup artist equivalent of shadowboxing would be, but trust me, I was doing it. Starting from that moment, I became obsessed with learning about all traditional bridal styling as well as the pinning. I reached out to a few makeup artists to teach me, but they didn't seem interested in helping at all. So I watched all kinds of YouTube videos and crept other artists on Instagram. After a few weeks of doing this, it just so happened that my mom was coming for a visit. Now I had someone I could practice on. I borrowed a sari from a friend and had my mom stand in my living room with her arms out to her sides while I practiced everything I'd watched on YouTube in real life. Once I thought I'd figured it out, I set a timer to see how fast it would take me. Imagine, two white ladies getting all tangled up in fabric trying to figure this out. Well, in the end, my fastest time was two minutes and 17 seconds. Once I got the sari wrapped as good as I thought I could get it, I took a picture of my mom, sent it to Faiza and said, If you're happy with this, then I'm ready, bitch. It must have met her expectations because shortly after that, I received an email from her fiance saying that my flights had been booked. I I was was going going to to Thailand! Thailand. Woo! (laughs) Once the excitement subsided, I had a better look at my itinerary and realized, wow, getting to Thailand is going to be quite a trek. I was going to be flying from Vancouver to Seattle with a two-hour layover in Seattle, then from Seattle to Tokyo with another two-hour layover, then from Tokyo to Bangkok where I landed at midnight, and I wasn't going to fly to Koh Samui for another eight hours. Now, there's not a whole lot going on in an airport between the times of midnight and 8 a.m., so as you can imagine, trying to kill time was pretty painful, and I couldn't really relax because there had been bomb threats made on the airport just the day before because there was some political unrest in Thailand and demonstrators were trying to shut down the government. So I was sitting eight hours in a place that could be bombed at any second. In the late hours of the night, the restaurants and services were closed down. There weren't any flights leaving, so I was pretty much all alone in the terminal. Well, except for my new friend. 
I ended up meeting an old Italian man who didn't speak a word of English or Thai. He was very confused, and from what I gathered with the little bit of Italian that I understand, as well as an impromptu game of airport charades, he'd been sleeping at the airport for three days because they wouldn't let him on his flight. He showed me his paperwork, and I tried my best to explain that they probably didn't let him on his flight because his passport was expired. There was nowhere to go to escape him, so he just followed me around the empty airport like a shadow for hours. Eventually, he got tired, so I found him some food, a bench to lay down on, made him a pillow out of newspapers, and then I carefully crept away. After what felt like an eternity in that place, the sun eventually came up, the airport started to fill up again, and it was finally time for me to get to my gate. (sighs) Now, I was off to Koh Samui. After 30 hours of travel plus a 14-hour time difference, let's just say, when I finally pulled up to the wedding location, I was exhausted. So tired of traveling that I wanted to kiss the ground I was standing on. I'd never been happier to finally arrive at my destination in my life. I hadn't even gotten out of the shuttle yet when Faiza came running to greet me. Welcome to Thailand, Jaina. I need you to do my hair and makeup for my first photo shoot, like right now. But first... We've got to get some Mendy on your hands. Don't worry about your bags. Just come with me. I said, Faiza, I can't do your hair and makeup with Mendy on my hands. And she said, don't worry. We'll just do the tops. I struggled to keep my eyes open as the artist carefully placed the design down each of my fingers. It looked beautiful, but I had no idea how I was going to do Faiza's hair with wet Mendy. I got her ready as fast as I could and then finally passed out so hard in my bed. Oh, a soft place to lay down felt... So good. If you ask me what I think about Thailand, I'll refer to the other trip I took before Faiza's wedding. Because on this trip, I never really saw much of the outside of my oceanfront bungalow. We were there for nine days with events on eight of them. Each main event, I was doing makeup and hair for the bride, two moms, two sisters, and a couple of days, even some bridesmaids. And to put this into perspective for you, these days, I pretty much never do more than the bride plus one other person. Let's just say I never saw Thailand on this trip. I barely even looked out the window of my bungalow. I was either doing hair and makeup, cleaning up my space, washing my brushes, or trying to recover from all of the work. Thankfully, Faiza and her friends and family were all so fun and sweet, so it made the long days bearable. But I'm just saying, don't get it twisted. This was far from a vacation for me. Now I told you there was a moment when I thought I was going to die. No, it wasn't the bomb threat in the airport and it wasn't me being overly dramatic saying that I was dying from exhaustion from all the work. Let me tell you about the island photo shoot. The photographer Faiza booked was amazing. He'd been flown up from Toronto because she was a huge fan of his work and he was very passionate about getting the most out of being in Thailand. So he wanted to do all kinds of photo shoots. And one of his ideas was a sunrise shoot on an island. Faiza told me the idea and I said, oh, that sounds great. And she goes, okay, so I hope you don't mind getting me ready in the middle of the night. I said, oh, that's not too bad. Because I imagined that I would do her hair and makeup and then go back to bed. She goes, yeah, so we need to be on the boat by four o'clock in the morning. I said, we like you and your photographer, right? She goes, yes, and you. I said, me? Why do I need to be on the boat? Well, because I know my hair is going to get messy on the ride there. And so you can come and do touch-ups. It's going to be fun. Fun, she said. Fun. Faiza came to my room in the middle of the night. I did her makeup and hair as fast as we could so we could get to the boat. Then I packed a touch-up kit, grabbed a sweater, and we climbed into the car that was going to take us to the docking station. 
As soon as we got there, the nope feeling came over me. I guess I hadn't really thought this through very much. They wanted photos at sunrise. So that meant we needed to get there before the sun had risen. In other words, in in the the dark. dark. Not only that, I was going to be going out into the ocean in a boat that looked like, well... Let's just say it wasn't your grandpa's fancy yacht, okay? It looked more like half of a Campbell's soup can, just a hollow aluminum boat with metal benches to sit on. There's no way this thing was up to code. There were no life jackets, no safety chat before taking off, nothing. Just a boat and a prayer. Oh, and the ocean. The dark, dark ocean. The sky was pitch black. The only way you could even tell there was a body of water in front of us was because the moon was reflecting off of the waves. Were we really going out there? I looked over at Faiza, who seemed completely unfazed. She was probably so excited at the prospect of getting good photos that she wasn't thinking about the dangers at all. I, on the other hand, wasn't doing a cool photo shoot in a gorgeous dress with beautiful hair and makeup. I was missing out on the sleep I desperately needed in a bed that I quite enjoyed to live a real-life nightmare, taking a tin can boat out into a very wavy ocean on a pitch-black night. I climbed in and took a seat. This was not in the job description. As soon as I saw the crew, I could tell they were impatient, I guess would be the best word to describe it. They were rushing around doing everything, and it all made sense when they told us that they had other clients that they needed to take out later that morning. So they had a very specific time that they had to be back for, and judging from how they were rushing us, it definitely seemed non-negotiable. I spent my whole childhood on boats, living on a lake, so I'm not usually afraid, but we were going so fast over some really big waves, and I couldn't see anything past the very short glow of the little light at the front of the boat. I clung to the metal bench that I was sitting on like my life depended on it, and I did my best to play it cool. I kept asking myself, how did these guys know where we're going? We were getting tossed around as the waves sent the boat up way into the air and then straight down into the water. The water splashed all around us and Faiza joked when she got a little wet. See, this is why I needed you. (laughs) I knew that all we needed was for one of those big waves to make it over the front of the boat and we'd capsize. Was I the only one thinking this? I looked around at the photographer, the groom, the men on the boat. Everyone seemed uncomfortable but unwilling to say it. Then I heard a very unfamiliar sound. Something was definitely off with the motor. I asked Faiza, do you hear that? Something doesn't sound right. She shrugged it off and told me that I was being dramatic. Then the boat sputtered a few times and came to a slow stop. All of the Thai men were falling all over themselves as they ran around trying to see what the problem was. Well, since it was so dark out, they didn't notice that we'd driven the boat over fishing nets and they were now tangled in the propellers of the boat. I asked myself, are we going to be stranded out here in the dark forever? After what felt like far too long, they finally got us untangled. But now they were in an even bigger rush to make up the time that they'd lost. I thought they'd been driving wild before, but now this was insanity. In fact, I was clinging so tightly that my hands had blood blisters for days afterwards. I looked over at Faiza, who seemed pretty unbothered despite how hard she was struggling to stay on her bench. She laughed it off and said, Don't worry, Gina. I was a lifeguard. We're gonna be fine. Which did absolutely nothing to soothe me from worrying, let's be honest. (laughs) As the boat thrashed around in the waves, I honestly, truly accepted that this was how I was going to die. I thought back to what the last thing was that I said to my mom before leaving for the trip. And then I thought of the wedding awards. 
great. Now, instead of winning an award for this wedding, there was going to be a slow motion video montage honoring the life and times of Jane and Marie. I can see it now. <coughs> Tonight, we pay tribute to Jane and Marie, a passionate, talented makeup artist who died an untimely death off the coast of Thailand, clearly still very dedicated to her brides, right until her very last breath. As per her family's wishes, she was buried alongside her makeup brushes and a margarita. Jaina, the wedding industry will never be the same. Rest in peace. I squeezed my eyes tight and asked myself, why am I even here? For the touch-ups? Is this even necessary? I could be back in my bed in my oceanfront bungalow right now, but here I am contemplating the end of my life for an island photo shoot. Is this what they mean when they say you need to have boundaries? Good thing I like Faisa so much. How is she not pissing herself right now? After re-swallowing the dinner I'd eaten the night before, probably 20 times, the boat finally slowed down. Oh. <sighs> It was now the beginning of sunrise, so I could see the island in the distance, and it did look pretty from far away. Once we were close enough, we dropped at anchor, and the photographer said, Okay, you guys stay here for a bit while I go check it out. He climbed out of the boat and went to look around, and I sat trembling, so thankful that we'd made it at least half of the journey. Now we just had to get home. After about 20 minutes, he came back to us and said, Ugh, there's so much garbage here, I don't know. I'll see what I can do. Cue the unimpressed face emoji. I was fuming. How did we go through all of this without knowing it was for sure a place that he wanted to shoot? He said, well, we came all this way. We may as well take some pictures. We all unloaded off the boat and proceeded to move all around the little island taking pictures. To be completely fair, they turned out absolutely beautiful. Faisal worked that dress like nobody's business, and I'm pretty sure those photos were some of her favorites from her whole wedding week. However, I do need to point out that as beautiful as the photos were, you cannot tell that we were on an island in the pictures at all. It just looked like we were on a beach, almost like we could have been on any beach. Think about it. The only way you can truly tell that you're on an island would be if we took a drone and shot from above, showing that there was water all around us. But drones weren't even being used in weddings back then. Aside from the exhaustion of getting so many women ready each day, as well as having my life flash before me, this wedding really was a dream. Faiza and Jason made the most out of being in Thailand. He entered into his ceremony on an elephant. They had baby tigers for the photos and they even did a lantern release on the night of their reception. They had fire dancers and I know she's going to be annoyed that I forgot some of the cool things she did, but Faiza, you're going to have to give me some credit. It was nine years ago and I can't even remember what I wore yesterday. We created super unique looks for each of her celebrations. I pinned the chunni, I tied the saris. In fact, the night of the reception, Faiza gave me a and invited me to come to the party and I needed to clean up first and take a quick nap before I went so when I was getting ready to go I was the only one left behind so I even wrapped my own damn sorry <laughs> that night I joined in on the festivities and danced my ass off the music was great the decor was incredible and Faiza was very clearly having the time of her life we partied till the sun came up, so the next morning I was surprised to have been woken up by Faiza knocking on my door. Get up! She said, I have a surprise for you. A little thank you for how hard you worked for me all week. 
I got dressed quickly and left with her curious as to what it was that she was up to. We piled into a van with her new husband, his best friend, and her sister. And after a bumpy ride, recapping all that had happened the night before, the shuttle pulled over and we got out. Faiza said, This is it. We're all getting massages. I couldn't have been any happier. After all the work that I'd been doing, my shoulders were sore as hell. I gave her a hug and said, Oh my gosh, you didn't have to do this. We walked to the massage place and all the staff seemed a little overwhelmed by having all of us there at once. Regardless, one by one, the owner paired a masseuse with someone from our group. But they were out of people by the time they got to me. So the owner said, one moment, and then opened the door to the back alley and called someone's name. A woman came in, greeted me, pulled back the curtain to our little area, and then climbed up on my bed. She sat cross-legged, put a pillow on her lap, and motioned for me to take my top off and lay down face up. Next thing I knew, she had baby oil out and was massaging my boobs. I could hear everyone else in the room because they were all divided by only a curtain, and I really didn't know what kind of a massage Fiza had booked for us, so I said, uh, Hey, Fiza? Yes? Is your person massaging your boobs, too? She goes, <laughs> No. I said, Okay. I just, just wondering. And I decided, screw it. When in Thailand, just kick back and enjoy. After the massages, we all reconvened outside and everyone laughed at me because I was definitely the one who got the happy ending lady. Hey, I wasn't complaining. My boobs felt great. Faisa and I spent a crazy amount of time together over those nine days, so when we got home, it felt like I'd made a new friend. Staying true to my promise, as soon as the BC Wedding Awards came around, I submitted Faiza's looks along with the story of how we went to Thailand and what I learned in order to make the booking happen. I don't submit for these things very often, mostly because I'm super competitive and I don't want to get my heart broken if I lose. But that year, I bought a gown and made my way to the awards show. I was starstruck when I saw Harp and Shannon from a company called Pink Orchid. They are legends in the bridal makeup world, and it's funny to think of now because I didn't know them at all back then, but now Shannon is someone I call one of my very best friends. She was actually on my Thailand birthday trip with me, but anyways, I remember seeing them and saying, we're going up for the same award tonight, ladies. If I lose to anyone, I hope it's you. I think your work is amazing. Well, guess what? They did end up winning and I got second place, but that was a major win for me. This white chick from Kelowna won first runner-up for best South Asian bridal hair and makeup in BC. Me, me, I couldn't believe it. The best part was that night, Pink Orchid posted the screen showing that they'd won, but clearly underneath it said second place, Jaina Marie. And at that time, no one in the industry knew who I was, but I guess they looked me up because I received over 100 new South Asian followers on my Instagram. And the very next day, the emails came flying in. Above all else, I couldn't wait to tell Faiza, we did it. We won. And she said, of course, I didn't doubt you for a minute. I said, okay, there was that one minute. She goes, oh, shut up, Jaina. I was just listening to what everyone else was saying, but I booked you, didn't I? She She did. After that, I spent two years putting every ounce of energy I had into non-bridal bookings. I was learning more and more about South Asian trends, skin tones, and traditions. But what would happen was my clients would go to weddings and everyone would ask, who did your hair and makeup? That's how I want to look for my wedding. And next thing you knew, I started booking brides. Now, I only do brides. It's the beginning of summer 2023 and we're already booking into 2025. I've had South Asian clients all over the world inquire about booking with me, including two women from India. 
And it's all because of Faiza. She took a chance on a white, no-name makeup artist, and it paid off. I'll never be able to thank her enough. I know there are so many popular makeup artists out there, and it's a very easy decision to book with one of them, but there are also some super great, passionate, and eager new artists who would do anything to make you happy. Would it hurt you to give them a try? We all have to start somewhere. And if you find an artist that you're not quite sure if she'll do a good job, ask for a trial. You might be pleasantly surprised. You want to talk imposter syndrome, honey? I know I don't belong here, so I don't take this position that I'm in lightly at all. I fully respect what an honor it is when someone goes against the advice of their family saying, are you sure she knows what she's doing? She's a gory and booking with me anyways. It's also really fun surprising people from the older generation when I say a word or two in Punjabi or I know the names of all the food. But anyways, if you're a past or future bride listening to this episode, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you you for trusting me. Now you know the rest of the story. So if someone ever asks, I wonder how that white girl got into the Indian wedding industry, you can say, oh, it was simple. All it took were some long flights, a bomb threat, sleepless nights, risking her life, an awards show, and a boob massage. Thanks so much for pressing play this week. If you know someone who needs a little BLE in their life, could you pretty please share this show with them? I hear every time you do, a newbie makeup artist gets their big break. (laughs) Until next week, please go be your most fabulous self. And don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy everywhere you go. Thanks so much.